the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Now large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and he turned and said to them, Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even life itself, cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, this fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to wage war against another king, will not first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000. If he cannot, then, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for the terms of peace. So therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you not, do not give up all your possessions. The Gospel of the Lord. Language evolves, even language in church. These days, we are sensitive to the words we use for the gender of God. We're careful not to characterize darkness as evil. Some of you may recognize one slight change in the confession of sin in our current liturgy compared to the so-called Green Book of 1978. We used to say, we are in bondage to sin and cannot free ourselves. Now we say we are captive to sin. Now I've never learned the exact reason for this change in our liturgy, but I suspect it has to do with the second dictionary meaning for the word bondage. And so that I do not use, lose my G rating for this sermon, I will not illustrate further the second meaning of that term bondage. It's either in your imagination or not. <laughs> Several places, St. Paul talks about being slaves to sin. And Lutherans talk about the old self curved in on itself. In baptism and day by day, we return to the waters of baptism where the old self is put to death and we rise with Christ to walk in newness of life. Odin was just immersed into the forgiveness and freedom of our faith. And Martin Luther urges us to creep back to the amazing grace of baptism every morning. For all our industrial and technological advances, we are still enslaved to power, to privilege, to prestige. Lutherans are sometimes accused of having a low anthropology, a low view of human nature. And I struggle with that at times. Yet, when you read the news, when you look at how we treat each other, and what we are doing to the earth. 
it is clear that we are in bondage to sin and cannot free ourselves. The prophet Jeremiah does not mince words today as he condemns Israel and Judah for their evil ways. But as they repent and as they reorient their lives, God is like a potter reshaping divine curse into divine blessing. Bondage suggests slavery. And I've been reflecting on slavery this week for two different reasons. For starters, we have the slave, the slave Onesimus, in our second reading. Philemon is one of the four shortest books in the whole Bible. And this morning, we had the rare chance to hear an entire letter of Paul in one hearing. Sadly, this letter of Philemon was used in this country to justify slavery. The reasoning goes like this. If Paul is returning the slave Onesimus to his master and now standing up to imperial Rome, why would earlier Americans disobey the laws of a democratic state to challenge slavery? In the past, people simply assumed that the Bible justified slavery. But times change. The spirit continues to speak, prod, challenge anew. And so there are new interpretations of this text. Now we know that Onesimus was sent to care for Paul in his imprisonment. And in that experience, Paul has a moment of transformation. He describes Onesimus as the child of his own heart. He sends Onesimus back to be welcomed by the community not as a slave, but as kin, as sibling. Then, like now, the gospel continues to transform lives, change lives, and break the chains that enslave us. Which leads to the second way I've been thinking about slavery. Anniversaries cause us to take a new look at events in history. And in the past year and a half, we've marked the 50th anniversary of the deaths of MLK and Robert Kennedy, the riots in this city during the Democratic Convention, and more recently, the first human to walk on the moon, and a couple weeks ago, Woodstock. Last month, the New York Times, among others, brought to our attention the 400th anniversary of the first slaves being transported to this country. The goal of Project 1619, as the New York Times calls it, is to reframe American history. Think of it, some 157 years before the colonists even decided they wanted to form a country, 20 to 30 enslaved Africans were brought to our shores. And in the coming years, 12.5 million Africans would be kidnapped from their homes, brought in chains across the Atlantic Ocean. Almost 2 million of them died en route. You can see how it wasn't only the slaves that were in bondage, but all of us. 
thankfully in this place, we can take the conversation out of the mere political realm and reflect on slavery and bondage to sin from a theological perspective. James Wallace has written a book called America's Original Sin. America's Original Sin, Racism, White Privilege, and the Bridge to a New America. Now, Wallace tells of a black professor that at the beginning of each class asked his white students whether they ever heard racism called a sin in their churches. The answer is almost always no. One of the Project 1619 writers asserts that our country was founded both on an ideal and a lie. We all know the famous words from the Declaration of Independence that all men are created equal, except that the white men who penned these words did not believe that to be true for the hundreds of thousands of black people in our country at that time. Another of the writers of this project notes that despite being denied freedom and the justice promised to all, Centuries of black resistance and protest helped our countries actually live up to our ideals that all people are created equal. The same principle that we announce each week that all are welcome, that all are equal in God's eyes, and the movement toward equality for all races paved the way for every rights struggle since including women's and gay rights, immigrant and disability rights. And if you haven't heard the amazing news, at its church-wide assembly last month, our denomination, our denomination, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, apologized to people of African descent for its historical complicity in slavery and the enduring legacy of racism in this country and globally. All this talk of slavery, this talk of sin and equality, it has everything to do with baptism. Today we welcomed Odin into a counter-cultural way of life. Being a follower of Christ will always be out of step with the norms of society. The cost of discipleship is high, as Jesus says in the gospel today. The, te the temptation of preachers like me is to water this down so that people find it attractive, more attractive, I should say. And I confess, probably, this more often than I'd want to admit. But you have to say that today's talk will unlikely cause people to just break down our doors to join a church. But there's good news today. Good news, people of God. You are free from the bondage of sin no longer enslaved to the gods, the false gods of materialism, accumulation, possessions. And that has everything to do with the future of the earth and the growing list of endangered species. 
because of divine forgiveness and mercy, you are set free. Set free to take risks for the sake of the gospel. Set free to take risks for the sake of our beloved earth. Set free to take risks for the sake of the most vulnerable among us. Like the ancient Israelites, in baptism you walk through water from bondage to freedom. Your call is to bring others with you.